can feel myself rot. The pain of being dead. I don't seem to have much of any reasoning power. Seventeen seconds. Reanimation at seventeen seconds. The eyes open. Not dead? Are you mad? I saw her die. The doctor signed a certificate. I saw them bury her. Look at the face. It's vacant, with a hint of sadness. Infected with what? Rage. In the midst of a pandemic, we took a break. For Halloween, we're back from the dead. Blood and Black Rum Podcast is Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coastploitation.com and I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? Uh, we're back with another episode in our reanimated series. We've been doing zombies as we come back from the dead. Uh, since we took a long hiatus during the pandemic and done a, quite a few zombie films. Uh, I think we're up to our sixth film this time. Um, so fun, always fun to do series and go through either it's, a film it, franchise. Or, it's a staple of the podcast. That's right. We all like pretty much all the time. We have something long running either the Marvel films or uh, Leprechaun. You know, just covering all the leprechauns. Silent every Night, Deadly Night. Yeah. The Saw retrospective. That's right. Which we, is, you know, four or five years old now. Yeah, we love to do that sort of thing. And so this time we're doing zombies. And um, for the most part, actually, yes, for all of the parts <laughs> of the last five episodes, I have seen all of those zombie films. But we've come to the one that I have <clears throat> not seen out of the whole bunch, uh, which is Train to Busan. Um which was a 2016 zombie film from um, Korea, South Korea. And I was going to say, you got to specify. Yeah, we got to specify. We can't just say Korea. It's kind of uh, misleading. Um, and it was a film that um, pretty much premiered to great acclaim, not just in um, South Korea where it released, but also in the United States. It was a, a pretty big deal back when it, when it first premiered. A lot of people were... Uh, enamored with it and um i remember a lot of the talk about train to busan but for some reason i just never uh sought it out um uh, well i can tell you right now from being from the boonies of upstate new york no way in hell this film was coming anywhere within no, no. distance for you to even bother going yeah to. no not like that but um 
you know, I definitely made the circles of the horror community. And um, so that was where I, I mean, I knew about it. I, I knew the premise of it. Um, other than that, I just had not seen it. Um, so it was nice to check out sort of like uh, 2019's Parasite in the sense that it was a foreign film that for some reason had a lot of uh, a lot of people talking in the other parts of the world. Um, sometimes get those and uh, Train to Busan was one of those back in 2016 and um, a t- little timeliness to our podcast. Uh, the sequel to this film uh, just recently released uh, called Peninsula. Um, and again, I haven't seen that one. I wanted to wait until we actually watched the, the first movie before we can move on to that. But um, that is also out releasing um, this year. And I don't think it released to as much acclaim as Train to Busan did. But that's pretty common with sequels. Huh? You know, what an awful. It happens. If this is what it got named in America, Train to Busan presents Peninsula. Yeah. That's... Wow, wow. What a. Got a. How, how can we make, you know, most <laughs> money off this possible? Yeah. Oh, make sure you point out that it's a Train to Busan sequel. Same director. Uh, not the same writer, I don't think. Uh, I think they, yeah, they, uh... So they stole it from Dawn of the Dead remake. They're going to a fucking island? Is that it? Guess so. I haven't seen it. Well, no, I'm just saying, because Peninsula makes you think, like, oh, mm. where to go from here? Right. right. Island. Head to an island. Yeah, and, uh, so the Train to Busan has a, an interesting premise in that it's not, we're not trapped in a mall. We're not... You know, we're we're not trapped in a farmhouse. I'll give them credit because usually the thought is to go bigger. Right. You had the farmhouse. Mm-hmm. You had the mall. Usually it's like, what can we do next? It's fucking even bigger. Mm-hmm. They're like, let's minimize it. Put on a bullet train. Yeah. And I like, I mean, I think that's cool because there's a, there's a claustrophobia involved with having a smaller area, uh, especially on a train. So, um... You know, thinking about how prominent trains are as transportation in larger cities, and especially in, in Asian cities with bullet trains, um, like South Korea, it certainly would would generate some tension as you're thinking. And this is not for us, obviously. We don't have train transportation around here. We live in small town upstate new york well we do have USA. an Am- we do have amtrak yeah, station in but, amsterdam but know. we don't you know it's not like we're hopping on the subway and heading into work we don't we don't do that here and we, we live in new york but we don't live in the main part of new york which was most people consider new york city we're very you know four hours outside of new york city and we don't have trains here we use cars like normal tra- transportation or buses if you're uh, stuck doing that sort of thing. So, um, but for for urban people, well, then that's a very bus. There's no public transport, not around here either. But but just you know, there is in 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 some areas about uh, our area. So, but but for people who live in urban areas, um, I think that Train to Busan resonates with its initial plot line of you're on a train and all hell breaks loose because. That is sort of, um, you know, an everyday thing for some people living in cities. You know, you ride the subway, you ride the train to your work, 
you get, you know, you ride it to a restaurant. You, that's that's like your transportation, and uh, unless you're walking, you know who rode a train a lot? Charles Bronson, yeah, in Death Wish, yes, he did killing muggers, yeah, rapists and thieves. Yeah, what a what a difference, you know, just like culture shock wise. Like, yeah, I know as America, we've come a long way from the seedy 1970s version grungy of subways, of grungy subways of Hollywood yesteryear. Mm-hmm. But even still today, my God, they're not. We uh, lag so far behind. Yeah, they're not South Korea's or J- or Japan. Yeah. Not even that. Just like the overall cleanliness of the state station. At like, can you imagine going to like Central, like you know, Grand Central, and just it not being like a shit show? I don't care if there's a zombie apocalypse happening on the train. I'm not laying down on the floor like they do in this film <laughs> on one of those New York City subways. <laughs> Just not happening. Yeah, I get it. Um, but I think so. I think that's what Train to Busan really had um, with its premise is that it has something that a lot of people in urban areas can relate to uh, because that's sort of their life. I mean, you spend a lot of time on on trains and subways, and and uh, you know the the um the heavily populated trains and what that means when you're on them um and so thinking about that with a very scary um zombie outbreak on it i think makes sense to be a very suspenseful idea and not only that because you're on a train a utilitarian uh mode of transportation in in urban areas mm-hmm. you get a Whole cavalcade of characters from different strike. That's right. Uh, walks of life that's and right. uh, class standing. Yeah, and especially on the bullet train, you know, this isn't just like some subway. They're actually taking a bullet train from one location to another. So you're right. It's very utilitarian. You can have all walks of life on this. Some people are business people heading. They need to go to Busan. They're going to take the the bullet train. You've got workers that are going, you know, an hour away to their work. Homeless, the bullet. Yeah. homeless stowaways. Exactly. So that, again, is sort of like the idea of what's happening in Train to Busan. You have all of these different uh, character elements and, and from all walks of life merging into this one. And, and Train to Busan takes a look at what happens when you have all of those people together, um, much like many other zombie films that have all walks of life within its uh, confines and and um, figuring out, you know, who is the asshole that's going to throw people to the wolves and who's not. <laughs> and we get that within Train to Busan. I think the bigger question is who's going to be the Barbara sitting there just going, but we got to get Johnny. <laughs> who's going to be the one that just can't <laughs> just react to anything, just completely not reacting. Just, yeah. you know. And not, not only that, but who's the one that's going to be infected and just not tell anybody. Until it's too late. Well, you know what? That's not a thing in this movie. Um, not particularly, but there is that opening sequence where the girl stumbles onto the train, and we don't know what's going on. Oh, stop! But I would stop. say that that's more of a stop. Not, that's she, not, she, she's you not couldn't tell. You couldn't tell by her bulging veins out of her, like you know, it's sweat and yeah. No, oh, there's nothing. Oh, I'm yeah. not saying that she was trying to hide it either. In the same sense as some other people in zombie films, where they like get bit and they're like, "I'm just, I'm gonna wrap it up. It's gonna be fine. You know, we'll we'll wrap it up. Maybe give a couple stitches, staples. Be good." <laughs> uh, that's not the case with this one. I mean, obviously she's in uh, panic mode. So, 
Uh, but but Trade to Busan does have a lot of the staples of the zombie genre and done differently. Um, obviously, you have a lot of the same plot themes and elements. Um, but over the course of two hours, um, the South Korean film kind of explores it in a different fashion. And uh, I think, you know, we'll talk about that as we get further into the film. Um, but first, we'll take a break and we'll talk about the beer that we have on the show today. The beer that I did not like today. Amstel Light. Mm-hmm. Not that one. That one is cleansing my palate from the beer that we had uh, for the show. And make sure you put on zombie. I did. I okay. just did. I just did. Don't worry about it. I got it. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> um, so you were the one that picked out the beer today. And against my judgment, you made the call anyway. Well, you were, you were too slow on the uptake. I, yeah. on and the I guess was- for me, I was right about it. For you, not so much. I mean, you definitely enjoyed it. Usually, our beer talks, I feel like, um, probably over the past several episodes have been pretty shitty. Because usually, we're, we're quite simpatico. Mm-hmm. Today, mm-hmm. a little different. A little different. We actually yeah, have a little a different, different uh, perspective on this. I, um, I mean, for the most part, I'm a pretty easygoing beer guy. I can drink, I can drink most. Um, there's only been a couple beers where I really have not... Uh, enjoyed them to the point where I would um, like never drink them again, and I would say that today's beer is one of them. Um, we wanted to be a little seasonal, and so we picked up. So Martin picked up um, Decadent Ales, which is from Mamoranic, New York, which is uh, down in um, by New York City. It's a little ways away from us. Um, he picked up the Apple Cinnamon Donut. Which is a uh, IPA with apple puree and cinnamon, and the goal is to get it to taste like an apple cider donut with IPA. So I thought that sounded weird, um, and for my own palate, I was right. Um, I will say that I do get an apple cinnamon flavor to this, but the the finish of the beer is very funky. I'm not sure if that is part of the apples pairing with the hop flavor of the IPA or um, if, and, and I think there's another element to that, which is that there's a funky adjunct taste that comes out um, from the beer that you sometimes get with microbreweries. But the, the sum total of this beer is that I really, I, did, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, even though I kind of got through it pretty quickly. That was more like me just, you know, struggling, <laughs> powering through it to get through it. Um, and that's not that, I mean, that's not common for me. I, I'm, I'm not super picky when it comes to beers, but this one just is very, I would say, uh, graciously, I would say unique. Um, and for some reason, that apple cinnamon just does not pair well for me just on my palate. Just doesn't go well. And I would say, too, that the, the uh, overall smell um, is more of like a uh, rotten cider smell than an apple cider or apple cinnamon smell. That's my take on it. How about yours? You make some valid uh, salient points. It does smell not like you would expect a apple cinnamon yeah. Donut beer to smell. It's not like when you crack open a good apple cinnamon donut cider, might like Woodchuck, Mackenzie's, you know, 
1911, where it's got that nice, robust, like, it smells like a bakery in here. Yeah. It does smell. You're right. It does smell like just, like, rotted apples that somebody was like, I was going to turn that into cider, but I forgot I had apples and left them out on the porch, and they rotted a little bit. Whoopsies. It um, definitely smells like does not have an inviting smell. It also does, and one, it's a big critique I've had when it comes to when we've done microbrews on here, a off-adjunct, tinny, yeasty, rosiny, just leftovers, you know, because it's, I don't know if this beer's unfiltered, but it does taste like it is unfiltered, because they probably just don't have the tech to make every IPA that they're making, because it seems like... When I went to Midtown today, they had a whole fucking... Pretty much making all IPAs. Like, ten different IPAs, so, you know, they probably are unfiltered, and you get all that adjunct, you know, at the end. So, it does have that, plus, like, the tinny takes, which I'm not a fan of at all. Mm-hmm. However, that being said, I think it does bring a very unique... And if you do like apple and cinnamon, you'll appreciate it, because it does... It, I will say the IPA does not come out at all. You don't even notice it's an IPA. Yeah. So very well it could have been like a Pilsner, brown ale. doesn't really matter because you couldn't really taste any of the malt or hoppiness at all. But you do get a nice, crisp, clean... And unlike cider, because it's crisp and it's clean and easy to drink, nice, unsweetened cider taste... That does taste like apples, um, like like the apple puree. It does taste like applesauce, and then a big hit of cinnamon. That to me alone pairs well. Was done well enough to be a very enjoyable fall beer. I really like this. Now for twenty bucks a four pack, would I venture out that often to get it? Probably not. No, but I think it did do a very good job at what it was trying to do. At least it's very unique. Because again. One of the problems I have with cider is it's great, tastes great, but it's very, it's, I'm sipping it at least. There's no cider I'm going out there like, I gotta fucking chug this. Mm. This is is crisp, it's clean, it's easy to go down if you like what it has to offer. Yeah, and I'm I'm just not sure, you know, you don't get the hop flavor too much, but maybe the hop combining with the cinnamon is just, is, um, weird. I've had a couple other IPAs with cinnamon in them. Uh, one was Goose Island. Goose Island has um, oh yeah, that one, yeah, yeah, that one that uh, has like a cinnamon IPA, um, and I, you know, I thought it was okay. I'm not a huge fan of cinnamon in my drinks anyway, um, but I mean, it's probably just me, um, especially what I can see from the ratings, like, people seem to like this okay, um, some people more than others, but, um, for me, I just definitely would not go for it again. Uh, it's no knock against Deccanin, I think they probably, I think they did a good job with the beer itself, um, it's just whether you like that sort of style or not, um, as Martin said, it's very unique, and so, you know, you really have to like all of the flavors that are presented, um, and if you don't, you're probably just not going to enjoy it. And I would say, too, it's not like it's a straight shot of cinnamon. It does have, no, no. even though it comes after that apple flavor, the cinnamon that's presented in it does come off as like an apple jacky cinnamon, mm-hmm. not like, you know, big red cinnamon. 
Yeah, yeah, it's not spicy or anything like that. Like, um, but I don't know. I just um, I which I that could to, make a nice like good winter warmer. Yeah, like if, like if you're trying to do like more of like even though we're not big winter warmer or old ale fail fans, but if they tried to make like a nice like uh, higher alcohol. You know, winter warmer style that was like at more instead of dark fruits like apple and cinnamon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I finished it. It was all right. I definitely would not ever get it again. Uh, wouldn't buy it myself, wouldn't buy it on tap. So take with that what you will. Deccan and Ales, uh, microbrewery may or may not be around. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know how widespread this beer is. I imagine not that. I would say not. Probably the tri-state area. Yeah, here, we don't so. really get. I mean, it's this first is really time. the first time I've seen their beer around as well. So it's probably not widely available. But if you do see it, um, like go with one of the ectos instead. <laughs> would be my would my, be my consideration. Um, and I haven't even had any other decadent nails, but I'm I'm assuming that. Others are good as well. Um, this this one was not for me. All right, let me stop. Zombies ain't my neighbors. There. All right, let's get into Train to Busan. So the the first thing that we said before we started this podcast is that we're not going to try to struggle through the South Korean names of the <laughs> actors, and that's no uh, disrespect to their uh, portrayals or anything like that. That's just us. I don't. I don't want to be the person to get those names incorrect. It's not that it's, I don't want to get them incorrect. I just don't want to sound like the asshole who's mm. looking at my computer screen. You yeah. know. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna do our best to avoid, you know, naming names and things like that. And uh, it's just it's just easier that way. Um, but you can certainly do an IMDb search and uh, you know, figure out who we're talking about. So, uh, just to keep that in mind. Um, but what I will say is um this film is uh directed by Sang Ho Yun and uh ju- written by Ju Suk Park and Sang Ho Yun. Uh they wrote the screenplay together and um I think this is one of Ju Suk Park's uh his first films I think. Um or maybe maybe second. Um not very many films he's written. Um yeah, actually uh he was this basically Train to Busan was his second credit. Uh, the first being Hawaii, a Monster Boy, and um, I think really Train to Busan put him on the map for uh, his ability to write um, some more emotional elements into Train to Busan than maybe you you get in some other uh, zombie films. Um, we can we can talk about that in a little bit, um, but I just wanted to. How point dare out. you? What? Survival of the Dead is one of the most emotionally <laughs> yes. driven very, films. Very emotionally draining <laughs> is what I would call Survival of the Dead. And you know what? It's funny because you still haven't seen Diary, so you don't even know. What I would say about Survival of the Dead is the emotionally draining part continues throughout the film as you start watching it and you're saying, all right, well, you know. Maybe it's just having a rough start, but Romero can't. There, Romero can't do this poorly, right? And then the See, drain continues to go as as the film just goes on and on and gets worse and worse. Like I said, it's even funnier because you haven't seen Diary, so you you don't even know. You don't even know how good you have it. 
I don't know. I mean, I feels like I've got it pretty bad <laughs> after watching Survival, but but maybe I'll have to check out Diary and see if it's any worse. Uh, really, we have, that's something we have to do together. Yeah, I really can't imagine that it is. And I've only seen Survival of the Dead once, but I found it just so incredibly awful that I It's one of the first movies I saw on Netflix. Yeah. I really have no interest in checking out Diary at any time, but we'll certainly we'll probably do it for the show at one time, you know. It's only like two years after Lance, you know. Gotta do it. Gotta do it at some point. Alright, so Pretty Busan, um it it really starts off with a fairly slow beginning uh doing a character study of our main character who is a businessman very focused well, on uh, his work Sage salaryman salaryman uh he is a fund manager and just makes him sound like an asshole yeah when you say he's fund manager honestly like that doesn't even mean that much to me as a term, uh, you know, what is, I'm not really sure exactly what that means, but, um, you know, you, you get the, the picture right away. He's like very focused on his job as a big shot. Um, he even gives like a reprimand to his, his, uh, subordinate subordinate at one point. Um, and so, you know, like, all right, this is who we're working with. Not only that, but he drives, um, an Audi. An Audi so, you know, yeah. So, you know, like, all right, this guy is going to be an asshole. Uh, <laughs> but the difference between this film and some other zombie films is normally your asshole is not the main character, the main focus. The main focus character is, is like a person. I don't know. Well, think about it. If, if you think about it. Who would you say, like, in another zombie film would be Everybody in Dawn character? of the Dead. Yeah. Remake and original asshole. Well, Everybody in Day of the Dead, an asshole. I don't know, though, because I would say, like, if we're talking strictly about the films that we watched for reanimated series, like in the Dawn of the Dead remake, our main character's not really... Who's it, our main character? It, it's the nurse. The, Are you sure? I mean, that's what the film wants you to think Are for you the sure? most part. Because I, I would almost say it's Mr. Best Buy's TV salesman. It, you think you don't think it's um no the uh, gun he, shop owner? He was he's the, best the main part. character. I mean, he was he, the best. He's part, the main but. character, and he's not even in it. Um, but I but I would say like there normally you get a character that is fair, somewhat sympathetic, and I don't know that you get that at the beginning of Train to Busan. Your our main character, our businessman, sure has a, has a daughter and is trying to give his daughter um. You know, what he thinks of as a good life, which is lots of things, uh, like a couple Wii's, doesn't even realize that he's gotten her a Wii previously. No, I think someone else did. I don't think so. No, no, I, I didn't get that impression. She said Children's Day. I believe yeah. Children's Day is like when parents get their kids something. And I took it to mean he had already gotten that for her. I didn't I, even realize. I it. thought I thought I was thinking like someone else had got it for her. Yeah, I mean, you could see, I don't really think that the film tells you either way, but I kind of took it as, yeah, he's he's already gotten it, so that's why she was more upset because he he technically remembered her birthday, but did not remember that he had already bought it for. Her. And so the beginning, again, the beginning essentially is liar, liar, jingle all yeah, the way. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of like one of those. We, we just need Phil Hartman, the good, yeah. you know. You, I'm gonna sleep with your wife, you know. Yeah, that, you, you sneak know, in there. Yeah, because it's even got like the whole ex-wife thing, and who's gonna take the kid? 
it is very much like one of those um those comedies starting off with you know the aloof dad uh in this case <clears throat> um it's you know we we're not supposed to like him at first um but i think it has that whole redemption arc of um you know this dad can learn he's he's going to learn to be you know what it means to live life and to be appreciative of what you've got and uh, he is very free, and he's not like he i would almost say his efforts too are very even themselves are just like cold and just well he tried like cuz he almost like for the mo- for like the first half of the film almost kind of is like yeah whatever you know. i mean it takes how it- can you expect me to know like you know that I got our fucking Wii already, you know. <laughs> Play really, your goddamn new Super Mario Brothers Wii and be happy. Yeah, it really takes quite a while of the film to re- to get a handle on the change that is being made with him. Um, you know, even like I found it funny because there's a scene where in towards the beginning when they're on the train and uh they're trying to close off a, a uh, part of the train, one of the cars and the pregnant uh, lady and her husband are coming through and trying to get into the car while he's holding, trying to hold the door closed. Um, there's a moment where he doesn't let them in. And eventually he's talked into letting them in. And he, so he does. And they're safe. And then later on in the film, there is another uh, CLO of, a, of a, a, like a bus company who is has been like a total jackass throughout the whole thing very you know a rich guy who's like I'm not going to be inconvenienced by some you know some uh you know, lower people than me um and he also holds the door closed and I found that I thought that was interesting because um our main character our businessman of all people should know how he feels because he did the exact same thing no he eventually let the people in but I mean he should understand where this guy's coming from because they are of a similar mindset. You know, it's, it's every man for themselves. And then, um, you know, if you end up helping a couple people along the way, then so be it. Um, but I do think that train to Busan has that redemption arc in mind of this guy, you know, figuring out what his daughter means to him in his life and what work means to him in his life. Um, so we have that going on within train to Busan, but the other thing is that we have like, we have a lot of characters in train to Busan that are kind of spread out sporadically. And it's interesting that the film spends about 15 to 20 minutes solely on, um, this businessman and his daughter at the beginning of the film, because other characters are also fairly important that we don't really get much time spent with. We, along the way, as they're on the train, we get that information, but we don't spend as much time as we do with the businessman. So obviously, you know, he's the main character in this and we're working off of that and meeting other people along the way. I just found it interesting that the film does spend quite a bit of time in the beginning of the film, really setting up that relationship between uh, father and daughter um, and not and maybe not starting directly on the train. Um, because the film is two hours long and I think that it might have, this is really my opinion, but it might've been more effective to start directly on the train, skip that 
I think opening. I I think it's done because you have to, out of cast of characters you get, you have to pick someone as your focal point. Yeah. So they're picking the person with a child. Yeah. So it makes it makes sense to have the first twenty minutes be dedicated to showing you know life before the mm. apocalypse breaks to kind of show. And I, how, I guess his, and also his, fail, have... his his failings as a person. So you can have that redemption arc. Yeah. I think, you know, it'd be more, because otherwise when it comes to, like, if they just jumped right to the train, okay, so who's your main character? And at the end, you'd be like, well, why the hell, you know, there's, you could have went, could have been the conductor that we had as our main character, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I get the idea. I think that the film gives a lot of time on the train to multiple characters and i don't know that we needed a focal point so much as it would have been interesting to see the perspective of each of those characters in different ways because the film does tackle um a a lot of elements with the within those character arcs um you know obviously we don't take time to break away from with each one but you have different elements that are affecting and impacting those people when they're on the train with the zombie outbreak and what they're, what they're probably thinking about um, with their, when they go into survival mode. So you have the husband and his pregnant wife and obviously their thoughts are let's, we have to protect our unborn baby. You know, we, we both of us need to come through with this because we have an unborn baby that's coming and um, you know, what's life going to be like without a dad or what's, you know, or what happens if, you know, the the wife is mutilated and we lose the baby. Um, so you have that scenario and you have the, the COO who is pretty much used to getting what he wants. And so he's calling the shots and you have his well, we do aspect. See, well, we do see at the end, though, that his motives are similar to most people. Yeah. If, you, tried to... if you believe what he's saying, I guess. I think at that point you, think you do that the lucidity of the yeah, situation. Yeah, because when we see what happens to our main character at the end, yeah, his his final moments is like you know, is him reflecting back on you know his daughter and when she was being born. With the COO, it's the same thing. Like yeah, you know, he needs to get back to my mom. And yeah. What if the zombie outbreak is really cleansing of the sins? It's everybody's cleansing. And it's not a bad thing. Although, I tend to find any film where you go on to live a very mindless, terrible existence after your soul leaves your body, I think that's still probably terrible. But in this, I, in this film, it does see, I don't. I See, I, I would disagree because I don't think if when you die in that state, I wouldn't say your soul leaves your body. You think you're stuck there? Yeah, I have like that Dawn of the Dead, you know, original, mm. like, you know, when there's no room left in hell. There's, you know. You're just stuck. Yeah. It's, like, mean, it's, it's, it's a, purgat- like, a mm. purgatory that is essentially hell. And I think Train to Busan tackles that a little bit because we have that scene where the older lady is feeling bad about the COO and everybody else basically not allowing anyone else into their car. And so she says, you know what? Fuck these assholes. And her sister died for yeah. being selfless. And yeah, she's like, fuck these assholes. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to open the door and let, let them have you know have their way with us. 
I think that's interesting because it does bring up the element, of, and especially towards the end when you get that whole flashback sequence of you know reliving those best moments and and what is really important to you is sort of like cleansing of the sins. You, you're you're being targeted for what you've done and the consequences, and um, I think that in some ways, Train to Busan makes that statement of you know. I wouldn't say that it necessarily is going to basically say the zombie plague is, you know, God's, uh, <laughs> God's will. And, uh, he's pissed at your, you know, his old Testament pissed at your, uh, your sins. But I think that it does in some ways t- tackle that idea. Um, or you never know. You, There's a decent sized Christian minority. Yeah, in, uh, it could be. Or the other, the other side of that is like, you're not reading into it as, as being God's will, but Basically, you're saying that at a certain point, you come to the inevitable conclusion that your life really doesn't matter so much in the scheme of things, and um, it's better to be the good person than to go down <laughs> as you know the the asshole who wouldn't allow people into your train car. Um, so I think it I think it has both ways. This is like the morality tale side of it, and then also the the other side of it, which could be it's uh, cleansing of the sins. But either way, an interesting uh, idea that comes to scope because of all of the characters that it has built into it that are fairly well written, even though we don't get to see a lot of their uh, side of the story. We really meet them in the moment, in the action, and kind of go from there as to what um, what kinds of characters they are. Now, I wouldn't say that they're really super fleshed out. They're no. more – they're very like – Two dimensional for the most part. You really only get the we, we get the retirees. Yeah, so the, the the two old biddies. You get the high school kids with the baseball team and the one girl who's their cheerleader. Mm-hmm. You get um our working class hero and his pregnant wife. Yep. You get homeless deranged man. <laughs> yeah. And you get uh upper uh, middle management man. Yeah. And then the COO. And, and, and the train conductor. And the train conductor. Which that's, I, that's I, your walks of life. So I, it's I've got to say, uh, my biggest moment of being impressed in this film is just the train conductor, whose sole purpose in this film is to make sure that people get to Busan on the train. Well, originally, it's to these different locations, right, yeah. and they just but he, keep having to go. He literally f- has no other motivation in this movie besides making sure that these people... Get he, where they gotta go. No, he's tr- him, and I. I would say between the conductor and our working class hero, the two most selfless. Though the working class hero is skeptic because he tells us yeah. in the beginning, as we meet our main character, that he's a uh, essentially a worthless, uh, blood sucking piece of shit. Yeah, you know. Yep, pretty much. And he was. He's telling that to his daughter, and his daughter's like, "That's okay. Everyone knows, mm-hmm. you know that. Yeah, you call know, it like it is, right." You know. I uh that guy's a beast. Yeah, throughout he's... the whole film, you know, they treat him almost like Captain America, especially with like getting a garbage shield. Well, that's well, not only that, it's <laughs> it's great too because he's smart. He's yeah. the one that thinks to tape take the baseball tape and wrap around his yeah. wrist and his, you know, and all that, so it's not easily to be bitten. Like they probably should have done that fucking, all over. You know, fucking smart. Well, that too because he ends up getting bit on the wrist, on the so wrist, it's like yeah. oh, you probably should have wrapped probably your just, hand, you know, just you know a your bit hand more. up, you know, too, but. Yeah, but that guy's a beast. He's uh, one of the more uh, action-packed elements of the film. Um, and with that said, 
the tr- the opening train part of the film really sets a lot of chaos in motion um, because there's just so much happening in the the backgrounds of the uh, train cars that it's a really nicely filmed um, series of action moments. Um, people like zombies jumping on. Uh, Everybody like slamming them into the car windows. And... Do you think they got like the fucking entire Korean Olympic team, gymnast <laughs> team? Yeah, they're almost because like they're parkour all, zombies. Because they're all like fucking doing these crazy, yeah. like, you know. Yeah, and, bat, and, and, and like and, uh, that's not, that is not CGI because there are moments in this film there you can tell are clearly CGI mm-hmm. and you're kind of like, you know. I mean, I don't but, think but for the most part, when you see all the extra, C- you know, zombies like chittering about and like doing all these like contortions and shit. Yeah. It makes you think like did they get the entire Olympic team or is we as Americans just that fat <laughs> we just <laughs> fat lazy. Make, yeah, it does make you feel kind of bad because these people are doing contortions. Uh our our survivors are crawling around on the baggage racks mm. where you, like you said, we'd fall through. You know, couldn't American, do that. Americans as, would fall through. Yeah, we couldn't do it as America, like having like, you know, three people like crawl on each side of like the baggage racks. We'd have one fat ass trying to fucking, you know, crawl through and like, yeah. Eh! Or, you know, you'd have people who are like, all you've got to do is make it across this one baggage rack. And you're like, I, you won't, sp- I won't do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that or they, <laughs> they get spotted by the zombie, not because of like a noise or anything. It'd just be them winded. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The winded noise. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, you're right. The, the contortion is pretty good. Um, it it works really well for for the uh, the uh, to make the zombies appear a little bit different than normal zombies because these are fast moving zombies, which I can appreciate because the turn is instant here. Mm. As soon as they're gone, and they there's, a, there's also a consistency to people who don't turn immediately because they've been bit on extremities where you would expect that the you know it takes this blood a- has to go travel. Uh, through the body you but know, even the, still it's not like you get like with like dawn of the dead where you got fucking dave for three weeks you know right right yeah yeah just just lingering even if you get a bit on the extremities you can expect like in five minutes you're going to be yeah. turning um whereas if you've been heavily mauled and you, you were bit on the neck uh there's less of that body to travel through to get to like your brain so you're going to turn faster um, so there is an internal consistency to the way that the zombies work in this film that doesn't always happen in other other movies. But I, I do like the way that the zombies are portrayed and it, it makes them a little bit different from um, like 28 Days Later where you have fast-moving zombies as well. In this case, they are fast-moving zombies but like, con- like weird contortion zombies because – that's what the virus does to your And it makes body. sense how quickly it, like, just encapsulates all, yeah. you know, South Korea. Yeah, ba- yeah, it makes sense that that, that, would, that would happen. Um, just completely overrun South Korea. Um, the it, film... G- it gives way to a lot of, like, really cool, like, when they're at the first train station. And you see them still, like, orderly going down <laughs> escalators and walking, trying to get to the next spot. And then all of a sudden, when all these survivors run into, like, get to the bottom of the stairs, you see a fucking flood of zombies. Just yeah. Book it and maul half of them going up the stairs. And, like, 
all the chaos that ensues after that. It's like, that's fucking, that's a great use of fast zombies. I think the direction is also really good because it doesn't um, signal some of those moments. There's no, like, score that builds up to a fever pitch before that happens. Um, they kind of let the tension linger without much of a score. And then the the camera is just sort of picking up the action as it occurs from behind your victim, um, which I think is pretty nice throughout the film. I do think that the, the movie is better off when it's outside of the train. Um, I think it works better, even though you would think that the um, the claustrophobia of the train would make sense. Um, when Once you get through like about an hour of being on the train – I think that that's that's a little too long to be on on one stationary place because there's not well, much do. to do with it. Well, they do. Uh, I agree, and I think too they kind of cop out with like the whole like oh they don't know how to open the door. Mm. They fucking try battery through all the glass when they see you know people around. Mm-hmm. So this whole oh they don't know just don't, just don't know how to open the door. I think the other cop out is, is, is the, is, um, the is, darkness too. Yeah, which that, sort, sort of comes up here and there. It le- leads to a good idea of like, okay, using the phone to be like, okay, another, coming up to another, you know, tunnel. So we'll have amount, this amount of time to use to, for them to be distracted. I think it's a good idea, but in practice, it's just like after like the third time of them fucking doing it. Yeah. Like it, it, yeah, that it's idea. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And then, and then they don't use it really again um, throughout the rest of the movie, the, like the darkness part of it, because we're still in the same day. Because this bullet train it's is bull- really only supposed to take an hour to get to Busan. And so we're still on the same day of all of this happening, which I think is an interesting idea. But at the same time, it would be pretty cool to see what happens in darkness. You know, so if we're moving around at night, what's the difference? You know, are, are they able to navigate at night better because the zombies don't – are not able to Not only that too, by the time they do get to Busan at the end, it does feel like – Fucking weeks have passed because <laughs> when you run into the fucking two guys that are watching the tunnel, one guy acts like, "Yeah, I've been doing, been fucking watching this yeah, tunnel that, for a month." Now. That's true. You, yeah, you know. that does. Yeah, there there is sort of like that uh, weird offset between this happened in one morning, basically yeah. from like four a.m. to whatever time it is, and that guy. Acts like he's been on duty for uh, for a couple of days now, and he's well, getting tired of. Uh... Instead, instead, <laughs> instead of shooting zombies, he's been waiting for North Korean uh, mm. defectors to come through. And he's like, yeah. "All right, yeah." Um, but I, I mean, I think I think the idea is interesting. I would love to see the the nighttime part of it, um, because I think that they they had a an interesting idea with the darkness, but it doesn't really go anywhere um, once you get through that part of the tunnel on the train. And I, like I said, I think that the opening up and being in the train yard is a much better um, overall element to the film than having it stuck on the train because at a certain point that claustrophobia is uh, gone and basically you're you're stuck thinking like what are they going to do now? I mean because really there's nothing else to do besides move between train cars and you're kind of stuck in that scenario for a little bit. Um, so I think – Though the idea of being on the train is interesting, it doesn't always hold uh, a lot of interest until you get off the train and be at different areas of the, you know, either at the train station or in the uh, deserted train station that they end up at before they get to Busan. 
Um, I think those moments are better than being on the train. Um, we didn't talk about um, some of the gore effects. What did you think about like the zombie gore effects and the the um, makeup effects and, and, and actually how the zombies are portrayed besides you know the actual contortionism but the, the actual um, look of the zombie itself? Well, that was good. Um, the only thing that kind of sucks sometimes is when they do like the CGI shots of like the fucking zombies, like World War Z, just fucking title waving, right. you know, through. <laughs> yeah. But when they did do it, like you know, like as live action, like when you had like that aerial shot of all the fucking zombies chasing that train. Yeah, or like uh, you know, actually that, like holding on to the yeah, train. It was really cool, yeah. but you know, and I think a lot of the practical effects were really cool, and I think you know. The ability to get that many extras was really, you know, cool and good. But yeah, um, and it's not their fault because some of the shots they want to do it makes sense. But when they do switch to CGI, it's clearly like, up oh, yeah, here you go. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I think some of the zombie effects with CGI are very noticeable. I think some of the overall aerial shots of the cities on are, fire and stuff—that's pretty good. The CGI doesn't look that bad, or like the train derailing. Mm. Um, those moments were really not that bad in terms of CGI. You know, I could see a DC movie really fucking that up. <laughs> <laughs> Needs more gray. Right, yeah. Uh, in this case, I thought that the CGI was pretty good when they did those action scenes or or the overall shot of the cityscape. Um, you know, those, those are pretty well done. I thought that it was, uh, you know, the whole train derailment was a really cool moment as well because it... Again, it took them out of the scenario of being on the train into a different one that you weren't expecting. Um, so I thought that was a, a, another cool moment in the film. Uh, yeah, I thought that the zombie designs were pretty cool. Um, I liked like the, the, the consistency bulging. with the veins um, on mm. on all the zombies and the um, and the cloudy like opaque eyes. eyes. Those are those are nice touches as well because the opaqueness like makes sense with why they're really not able to see at night. Um, you know, it happens to all of them, so it really makes sense. And and then that's an uh, easy way to know who's turning. Uh, so the consistency of the rules really works uh, in this film. You know, it has, it has an internal consistency that uh, not all zombie films have, like The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead doesn't really have a consistency to how... How dare you? It doesn't. It doesn't have a consistency to how... Um, some of its zombies react and turn and things like that. It's it's all over the place, and so you really don't want that. You want to maintain a consistency. Obviously, it's more difficult when you have a long-running show, but in the film, it's really consistent with how it, it maintains that internal rule set of, of what happens with, with these zombies. Um, the one thing that I would say that I thought was a little overdone was the emotional elements towards the end of the film. Um, the very, like, almost soap opera-esque music. How, how dare you now criticize, like, the K-drama element? That's what it is. It's very, <laughs> very akin to, like, a, a, a K-drama TV show, almost, in the way that it has the ver- the soap opera elements of, of the the music swelling. Well, not only that, though. Like, you had a good one. We have our working class hero. He's, like, holding the door, and he gets bit in the process. Yep. Touching Sacrifice. Mo- touching moment. 
It's like the fourth and sacrifice th- in the film, by the way. I know, but this one actually is like because he we can relate to at least I can being you know the working class hero that I am, but like you know his is touching and like right after that you get another one and then right after that you got the sister who's like stupid sister, always yeah. helping people. I mean, what ha- what she does is pretty badass, you know, letting them all fucking get taken over yeah. after. But like, it, like they have like there's no breath between like a lot of the deaths between our main party. Yeah, like it's all like rapid fire, which would be okay if it was like just trying to focus on like one emotional moment or whatever. Here they're like trying to dig for like every fucking one, and it's like oh god, like yeah. And I we think get the conductor, bam, then we get the, you know, the baseball, you know, guy and his girl, bam, bam, and then, you know, get the COO, bam, and then you get the, you know, the... Yeah, and I'm not even talking so much about, you know, our businessman at the end um, having that flashback of the, the time when his daughter was born, because I, I think that's fine. What I was not a fan of was the soap opera music swells. Mm-hmm. And his daughter, like, screaming for five minutes about, no, don't go, you know, as he's been bit. <laughs> all, it's it's just, miss- all it's missing is, like, from the Titan- like, Titanic. Like, yeah, it's just it's just a little bit too much. I think they went a little too heavy with that scene. Not not even heavy, but just... Um, hammering it, it? Yeah, it was just hammering that idea home. Like, you, you know... Feel bad now. That's right, yeah. I, I think it was a little too much on the, you know, the cheesy emotional element to it um so i think that they could have cut that a little bit but other than that i think the film is pretty strong and it has some interesting and new ideas for action sequences with zombies um that i was surprised at and you know and 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 the uh incorporation of multiple characters is um nice as well because though we don't really get a lot of uh development with those characters um they are certainly along for the whole ride, and and I think that uh, makes a difference, you know, than just being fodder for for zombies. So, uh, do you do you, did, did we touch on everything that you wanted to touch on before we go into rating? Or uh, I tried to thought I covered most of it, but if I didn't, let me know. Can you think of anything else? Mm-hmm. There was something I had, but I can't mm. remember it. Was it the score? Was it no? The, because to be honest with you, the score is not very memorable. I don't. Yeah, I mean, and you I don't know. think it's supposed to be. And you know, it's not really. Uh, not even moments where it's supposed to be. You know, like like you said, the soap opera. But even still, like like the chase scenes and stuff. There's not really anything that kind of. Was it about our uh, romance, budding romance between the uh, high school baseball player and the high school cheerleader? No, but those baseball bats are the most sorry baseball bats ever. Who are those baseball <laughs> bats for? We didn't, you know what we didn't talk about too? Because they're, 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 they're like it's a high school baseball team yeah. carrying around fucking bats for like a four year old. Yeah, I know. They've got like, I don't, I don't even know how long they were, but they're not. They're, and they're like pencil thin too. Like, what is it? And a, not only it's like, that, it's like a bat from like the 1880s. Like, but our businessman is like super choked up on it too. He's like up to the, you know, he's past the handle. Yeah, they still play baseball the right way over there, you know. Not home run or bust, you know, nice, <laughs> nice small ball, you know. Um, was it, um, the, oh, that's what I was going to say. We didn't talk about how no one really reacts to these zombies at the beginning of the film. And they're just like, Oh, there's like, I help you. Yeah. There's like a moment where there's a woman stumbling 
and groaning and moaning through the train. And, and no one's, like, paying attention. Or they're like, I don't know. You know, just someone some having dr- a bad day. Some drunk. It's uh, early morning diarrhea. <laughs> um, they don't. They don't even mention that at all like it doesn't no really... no too like when they go to the first train station remember because you you were laughing when um they get off the train like there's a violent yeah. occurrence yeah. Of it. yeah they just keep referring to it as like a riot and which is funny too when you had the whole you know like i said when the orderly sh- shuffle of them going you know through that first train station and going up and down the escalators and like an orderly fashion and it's like yeah, that yeah. would not be <laughs> yeah. how it is over here. You yeah, know? I definitely I found it interesting that they they continually referred to it as a uh, as a violent riot rather than you know what it was. It's hard to you know as you have a train and you're looking into it and you see a whole bunch of you know zombified faces and you're like, well, I don't know, they just randomly started rioting in there. <laughs> I don't get it. But so that I thought that was interesting about the film is that like for the for the most part. Though it does have a couple instances where they actually explicitly say zombie, like on the mm. forums, like yeah. people are saying zombie. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Again, it, the, the internal rules of this movie are sort of like zombies don't exist. Like they, they've never heard of zombies before, except for that one or two mentions. They don't mention it at all. Any, and most people, it seems like most people don't even know um, what a zombie is. And the film never does bring up how do you actually kill these zombies? Because for the most part, no one is killing a zombie. They're just beating them until they can get Trying past them. Trying to bludgeon them, them yeah, away. Exactly. Know. And so most zombies are not killed in this scenario. I think we can assume from the soldier with the sniper rifle that shooting them in the head is the way to kill them. But we don't see, I don't think we see any zombie actually killed. So, okay, so two things that... uh brings me to what did you think of the explanation for the zombie outbreak in this film because they do cover it yeah they they do it's very very brief um i think it's rushed over to be honest with you i i honestly i would have rather they not even cover it they don't they like they don't have even a mention of what well because i think it's supposed to be like oh he was our our main character our protagonist you know played a part in it because he was affiliated with the company but it's not like he was directly involved in like the makings of like, yep. not, so like that to me like and you're right it is rushed so it's kind of like ends up being kind of like a moot point that we even know like oh he you know because it's like, so what, was he in charge of, like, a laboratory, like, funding in college and yep. somehow break out? Like, they say, like, it was, like, in a college or something. Yeah. It's, so, like. Yeah, it just, it's just very, very glossed over. And honestly, I would rather they not even say what the outbreak was or, it, or try to define it. Because I think by the end, too, one of the reasons why he ends up sacrificing himself at the end is because he's got, like, you know, guilt for being playing a part in this creation but at the same time too you know it's yeah we really don't have any idea what that is it, and it's just, not only that it's not necessary to his you know character no, arc it's right. just you know yeah. kind of tacked on fluff yeah. i would rather they just kind of left it night of the living dead vague what happened we don't know yeah. it just happened and what did you think of like the whole speaking of night of the living dead night of the living dead style ending of uh yeah, right. Snipe, uh, sniper uh, staring down. Yeah, our... for, for sure. Very Night of Living Dead. Um, 
Were you expecting him to pull the trigger and put him down? No, I wasn't. Um, you don't think they're, think they're black hard enough to kill a child and no, a pregnant I didn't, woman? No, I didn't think that they would, um, that they would want to go that far. I know, you know, it's not unheard of, but I, I just, this film had so much... Um, Positive atmosphere. Right, yeah, exactly, exactly. You just, just snuffed out. It, it would have. I mean, it would have been interesting if they did. Like, very interesting if there was so much positive atmosphere. These people have sacrificed themselves to make sure that, uh, you know, basically, the new generation. Like, the generation can go on, and then they're just snuffed murdered. out. And you like, like it, night, of, like night of the living dead, getting like you know carried to the it, burn yeah, pile it, at the it end. It certainly would have left a very uh, grisly. Uh, dim view of the world after that. Um, I, I it would have been interesting, but I just didn't see it happening. Um, but yeah, it, it's certainly taken from Night of the Living Dead because you you have that sort of and and even twenty eight weeks later, which has a lot of that government yeah. part of the um quarantine of you know they're sort of heartless and they have to do what they need to do to make sure quarantine stays in place. Um, it has those elements to it. Um, well, not only that, too, it's it's funny because they get like halfway down the tunnel. They're like, can you verify if there are zombies? No, nah, I can't. Well, no shit. They're halfway down the tunnel. Yeah. And it's dark and down the tunnel, so you can't see. And so, you know. You should have like a slur the, on his. Uh... The fucking sniper's got supersonic hearing, <laughs> able to hear, you know, the girl singing the song. Yep. To know that, you know, they're not zombies. Yet again, the the blessing of song. From a child, yeah, is uh, is the savior of humanity. I thought the the song was interesting because it does, you know, it, that carries through through the film. She didn't finish her song at the beginning of the film when she was at her school recital because her dad wasn't there. She was really saving it for her dad, and that comes out, and then she finishes the song at the end of the film, and that's what saves them. Um. You know, uh, if they hadn't hammered that emotional element a little too far when um, her father was sacrificing himself, might have been a little bit more effective. I think it's it's okay, but I think it, by that time it was sort of beaten into the beaten into the ground with with what they did with the song element of it. Um, you know, thematic, sure, carries through, but I don't know if it's super effective at the end. I, I I prefer the dark ending. <laughs> All right. So, uh, on a scale of, um, hmm, trying to think of a, uh, you, you know what? On a scale of zero to ten, um, K-pop upskirts because we there's like the there's like a a. Uh, there's a a promise that it could happen at any time with our <laughs> with our K-pop star um, Sohee, uh, which I think is probably intentional. On a scale of zero to ten, K-pop upskirts, <laughs> what would you give? <laughs> Train to Busan. We always try to come up with something creative for our, for our ratings. So. I'll give it an eight out of ten. Um, it takes a lot of old. Cliche zombie ideas and turns them into something new and unique and enjoyable. 
Um, this might be probably my favorite, probably now my favorite uh, running zombie film, even more so than 28 Days Later. Because mm-hmm. I think it actually, within the logic of the film, because even 28 Days Later, as we talked about, isn't really a technically a zombie film. Mm-hmm. Um, that, like, it makes, like, the continuity within the film makes sense. I like the idea, as you said, of it being set on a train. It comes up with enough claustrophobic ideas for it to be interesting. Though, as you said as well, I think it does run out of steam about halfway through the film because there's only so much you can do on a train. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe if they stop maybe one more time at a different spot, you could have had an interesting set piece because the... Stops at the different station, two different stations are your most exciting set pieces within the film, and great use of like the extras and the zombies and how they run and chase and all the things that they do with it. I think overall the cast of characters in this film are very good. I think every actor in this film did a really good job. Um, even the child actress, she, she did a really good job mm-hmm. at you know portraying their characters. I you know. To me, the standout would definitely be our working class hero and the train conductor. You know, both just very likable and just trying to do the best that they can and actually try to help people. It does use a lot of cliche, Romero-esque, you know, story tropes when it comes to, like, characters and class and so on. But I think it does enough different to make it, you, you know its own separate thing. So it's a great melding of, you know, Romero and uh, modern day zombie, I would say, you know, so eight out of 10, you know, the only thing is maybe it, it as you said earlier, it could have been shaven down a little bit. Mm-hmm. It does get a little long in the tooth after by the end. Yeah. I, I was thinking eight out of 10 as well. Um, I think it's a, an interesting zombie film. And like you said, uh, it's one of those running zombie films that actually has zombies in it that I, I think is interesting and, and does a good job with the running element and making sure that the internal realism of the the zombie outbreak makes sense and stays consistent throughout. Um, we, I like that we have a multitude of characters and those characters, while not really super fleshed out, uh, they do have their own little uh, eccentricities about them that you know you can really pick out. Um, my favorite, again, is the train conductor who really is just dead set on doing his job, making sure everybody gets to the, the places that they need to go. Um, I agree, and like I said, the, the train moments of the film are good, but I think that the film is at its best when it's off the train. You just get to a certain point, and you can't do any more on a train because it's ultimately just moving through cars, and we've done that like four or five times, and and by a certain point, it gets to be too old. And I think that's after the whole tunnel sequence of, of doing that a couple times. You've, you've hit a certain point and you just can't do it anymore. So I like that they take that moment to get off the train and do something a little bit different. And I think that the set pieces in the, in the train yard, like the right before Busan, are the best moments. Because we do have uh, elements that are really unexpected and and the, the film can go in different directions. Um, the claustrophobia is there, obviously, on the train, but I think when it opens up, it just gives even more um, you know, maneuverability to do different things that uh, it just can't do on a train all the time. So, uh, very enjoyable. Um, I think that uh, you know it's one of the better new zombie films that we've gotten. Um, 
there when you think about zombie films that we get now a lot of them are just extremely generic and while i would say that like you said the cliches are apparent in train Bu- train to busan i think that it does enough with them in a different way to make it effective and and not just a recap of uh a older better zombie films um it really does something a little different here and to note too uh, about the whole like uh the train set getting a little running out of steam. I think if they focus more on developing the party itself and their motives, you could have had interesting character discussions between these different people Mm -hmm. and what's going on instead of it just being like, you know, very, for the most part, just like tropes. Mm -hmm. Like, so if they actually spend time, you know, when those down moments are happening, showing the characters talking and getting to know them more in depth, it would have made that claustrophobia even more impactful, but because they didn't go that route, as you said, it, it does, you know, after, you know, the first half, it does, you know, run out of steam a little bit. Yeah. Not to use a train pun. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. And it's not running on steam. <laughs> uh, all right, so... That's it for Train to Busan. Um, we are back next week. With... I don't know why, too. I keep wanting to call it Last Train to Busan. I don't know. I don't. I just I don't know why. Train but every to... time, every time I just want to be like, yeah, Last Train to Busan. <laughs> well, it probably is. I think we can. I think. We <laughs> I don't can... know. Maybe there's more dedicated conductors out there <laughs> Maybe. Making, getting those trains. You know where they got to go. Yeah. Uh, all right, so um, for next week we're doing White Zombie, which is uh, a classic. Rob Zombie. What's that? Rob Zombie. Yeah, we're doing the entire discography of White Zombie. Uh, no, we're we're doing White Zombie, the classic zombie film with Bela Lugosi, um, a voodoo film. So we haven't really covered a voodoo zombie film yet. Yeah, we did zombie, sort of in a way, but this one is a lot more traditional in its voodoo zombie elements. So uh, that's going to be interesting. Um, to cover and, and kind of go back in time a little bit from the from the ones that we've covered so far. Uh, so hopefully you'll stick around for, for us to, to do White Zombie. Um, with that said, you can follow us on pretty much any podcasting app. We're, we're on iTunes or uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, um, pretty much anything we're on. So if you, uh, you listen to any of those or you use an app, uh, subscribe to us, leave us a nice review. It really helps us out. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash blood and black rum. Uh, we have a Twitter at blood and black rum. And we have an email address at blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com where you can write to us. Let us know what kind of uh, other films that you'd like us to cover or what we're doing well or not so well. And uh, you can also donate to us at our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast. Anything that you can donate is uh, very, very helpful and helps us keeping keep the uh, the podcast running. So uh, whatever you can donate, please do so, and we really appreciate that. Um, until next time, we'll see you back next week for White Zombie, and uh, make sure that your Halloween season continues to be spooky and scary. Take care.